Hey guys, welcome to the Expressing Motherhood podcast. My name is Lindsay Cavett, and I just wanted to say that I was excited to find out that the Expressing Motherhood podcast is being featured on iTunes under the parenting category, right next to Spawn by Exmo alums um, Kristen and Liz of Cool Mom Picks. So thank you so much for those of you who have written a review about the podcast, and if you haven't yet, um, and you have the time and it's of interest to you, please leave and not end, but a review. I would be ever so grateful. Uh, today, coming from my closet, which is a little bit warm today, I'm going to be speaking with Hillary Lifton. She's a Los Angeles mom to two kids. They're nine and seven. And I met Hillary um, when our kids were going to preschool together. She's ghostwritten and co-written numerous New York Times best-selling memoirs. But she, for the very first time, has written a novel called Movie Star by Lizzie Pepper. And this novel is a lot of fun. You really should read it. It's basically, not basically, but about um, a young actress who falls for an older actor who is like the leading guy who happens to be in a cult. Um, But he's extremely sexy and has lots of houses and kind of woos Lizzie Pepper into his lifestyle and they end up getting married and then they have children and she starts to double think why she got into this situation. So the book is called Movie Star by Lizzie Pepper and I am about to speak to Los Angeles mom Hillary Lifton. We talk about her move to the valley and why she can crank out books in 6 to 12 months and how she believes in just getting it out there and then editing and editing and editing, which I really found interesting. So thanks for joining us here on the podcast and here's Hillary. So hi Hillary, welcome to the Expressing Motherhood podcast. Hi Lindsay, I'm so happy to be here. Well, thanks. Thanks for being a part of it. So I just read your book, Movie Star, by Lizzie Pepper, and literally I had to lock myself in the room and uh, finish it because I couldn't put it down. Well, I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you. No, it was great. And now, is this your first novel? I know you've done a ton of ghostwriting, but is this... Okay, so this is your first novel? Yes, it's my first fiction not just published, but ever, really. I, I've never tried fiction before. I think I was daunted by the blank page. So ghostwriting has been good for me because a lot of my material is handed to me. So this book, which is a faux ghostwritten book, was kind of a nice segue for me mm-hmm. because I was really familiar with the form and comfortable writing celebrity memoirs. So I kind of knew where I was going when I started, which you don't always have in fiction. Mm-hmm. And then, so how long had you, I mean, when, when I met you, I feel like you were a work, a full-time working mom, right? When we met, is that safe I, to say? I don't know what to call myself. I was always, um, because ghostwriting is a job that comes and goes. So when I had a book that I had to write, I was full-time, and then it would end, and I would be waiting for the next project. So very uneven. Um, I always had to be ready to take on a job and pretend that my client was the only person in the world and that I did not have babies at home. Mm-hmm. And so did you have, I mean, I know that you had a nanny, so would you just keep your nanny because it's hard to, you know, obviously you don't want to be getting help and then not getting help yeah. once a job springs up. I always had a nanny and I was always kind of mindful of that. Am I am I covering this? You know, does this make sense? 
and mm-hmm. it did pretty quickly. And, you know, certainly as a mom, I felt these weird gaps when I didn't have work and I did have a nanny and I felt like there was a little redundancy there. Yes. Um, but I used that time to really get to be, I got, it was very luxurious and I got to sort of be a dream mom yeah. In, in my world, because I, I could sort of delegate the parts that I was not as good at. Yeah. Like cooking. <laughs> totally. I know I, I've had moments like that myself too, where I'm like, what am I doing? Um, in moments I can come up and breathe. I don't, I don't have a nanny anymore. We let her go in January to save money. But, um, and now the kids are a little older. We're out of that psycho crazy phase. Um, right. Us too. <laughs> but so for you then, when you became a mom, were you already into ghostwriting? I mean, did anything change for you once you became a mom? I, I actually got my first ghostwriting gig, my first big one, when I was pregnant with my first child. Oh, okay. And I think that's not by accident. I When I, I moved to L.A., I didn't really have a career, and then I got pregnant, and I was, I wouldn't call it an identity crisis, but definitely... Um, wondering who, what, I, what I was going to talk about at cocktail parties was it all going to be about infant car seats and lead poisoning? That's the direction I was headed, because <laughs> oh. um, I was not the most um, calm and natural of moms. I was pretty neurotic, and so um, I kind of um, I wanted work to help myself have a sense of. Um, identity outside of my family, just because I never quite, I hadn't really taken the time to imagine myself as a wife and mom and nothing else. I'd always worked full time until Mm -hmm. I moved to LA. Gotcha. Yeah, because I, I, oh, that's interesting. I feel like a lot of moms, when we're either pregnant or right after we've given birth, a ton of people create new businesses or something comes of it creatively. And for you, it almost seems like, and that was my mom too. I snuck into her drawer and found a little piece of paper and said she wanted to write a book so that she wasn't the boring housewife at cocktail parties. I'm not kidding. She wrote that down. Right, no, that, that I mean, I think that, was that is exactly how I thought, and I'm, I'm relieved to hear you say that. And I think that I had to have the job in order to realize that being a housewife isn't that boring. Mm-hmm. I needed something to make me feel like when I'm a mom full time and that is my identity that I chose it instead of just falling into it as a um, because as a traditional role. I was really resistant to the idea of, of just doing something because. That's what people do. Yeah, you know. And with my husband, I, I said I went to college. You know, yeah. I didn't go to college. So, and you know, I have total respect for the stay-at-home mom. And and but for myself mm-hmm. personally, I had to feel like I was choosing it. Yeah, yeah. And so when you so you got your first gig, you were pregnant. So then, how did that work mm-hmm. once you had your baby? If you were in the midst of writing that. Well, ghostwriting gigs are very short. By the time I had a baby, oh. I was done. I mean, I, I write books in four to six months. Oh wow! Really? Okay. Yeah. So, are you with? I mean, this is just a. This is me just being curious. Are you with the, you know, the actor or whoever you're writing their book about? Are you with them all the time, or do they just give you a ton of information? 
Um, I interview them, uh-huh. and this is part of that time frame. In the four to six month time frame, I'm interviewing them. They're always every celebrity book is always on a crash crash schedule. I don't know why. Um, but I'm interviewing them and starting to outline and then starting to write as I continue to interview. And it's a real collaboration. Okay. Um, I don't make up these books. You know, I, I work with somebody who's not an experienced writer to tell their story. So I don't think there's anything cheap about having a book ghostwritten or, you know, I'm credited on a lot of them. It's, it's really a collaboration. There's mm-hmm. tons of that in the creative world. And did you start to feel, um, well, t- two things. One thing, another thing I want to say is I was actually the only stay-at-home mom in my circle of com- neighbors in the Hollywood Hills, and I felt like a total loser. I mean, and no discredit towards stay-at-home moms. I just felt pressure. I put them upon myself, and also I wasn't very happy because lonely. I was so fucked freaking lonely. I guess I could say that the word, but I was so lonely. And, um, but finally about a year into it, a great mom, Anne, um, she organized a play date so that, and we all started doing play dates, but it was way too lonely. Yeah. So, uh, there, I couldn't find very many stay at home moms to hang out with. Um, right. And then, well, I mean, it oh, kind of, I, I don't mean to, I'm not doing this specifically to drag it back, back to my book, but, um, but my celebrity goes from being an actress to being a stay-at-home mom, and she's trapped right. in mansions. And yes. she tries to go to a mommy and me, and yes. everyone looks at her funny. And so mm-hmm. I think I was pulling from a lot of, you know, that experience when you're a new mom and trying to find a whole new community. Even if, yes. even if you're not the only stay-at-home mom in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. you're trying to find your fellow mommy people. And, you know, yes. from my celebrity character it was just in a the same thing in a completely different world I loved that part where she did that because I felt I mean you just made it more human and I think that's obviously the world that you and I really live in is we do see you know or you see them probably more than me but famous people and know that they you know obviously have you know situations you and I are not really in but a lot of them they're just trying to be real and here she was trying to go to the mommy and me class and it just did it was so awkward for her and I felt for her and I don't know is what I, I guess what why I could not put your book down <laughs> <laughs> well somebody asked me why I wrote this book now and I didn't really know the answer but when I thought about it I realized I live in LA my kids started going to school mm-hmm. there were celebrity kids at yeah. school with them and anytime somebody said to me blah, blah, blah's kid is going to be in our class. Yes. I thought, you just ruined, you just ruined it for them. <laughs> you know, you just made them not normal just by saying that. And yes. I felt, having worked with celebrities, I think I felt sympathy for that as a mom. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the biggest crisis in the world. Right. You know, there, there are other things for us to worry about, just to put it in context. But I, yes. did, but I did, as a mom, think how this is her life. Yeah. She's trying to find her community the same way we did, and mm-hmm. boy, it's got to be a lot harder. It's got to be a lot harder. I, I find the same thing with my kids where, uh, I don't some they they won't even know that somebody is famous, clearly, but I don't, e- I don't even want to tell, I don't tell them, but then somebody might bring it up. You know, um, and then I will just have to say, oh, well, their daddy or mommy is in a movie, 
you know, but then mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to give it too much power because I don't want my kids to think that that's something that we've think is, you know, like the be all end all. Right. Right. Um, what, oh, and so how long did it take you? I'm always curious, like how long did it take you to write Movie Star by Lizzie Pepper? I think it took me about a year and mm-hmm. I also ghost wrote a book in the middle of that. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> okay. But Hillary is, again. Hillary is very type A, I should say. You were basically <laughs> running the preschool. I never knew I was, but I think it became more that way. You know, I think starting this career as a mom, when I had nap time to write, I mm-hmm. really developed my speed and get it done muscles. And the operating principle that I use when I write, which I think really helps, you know, writer's block, which I don't really believe in for myself, is just write it bad and fix it later. Because I feel like mm. once you have it on paper, you can always go back and fix it. So I just turn things out and then edit, edit, edit. And I love the editing process. I don't love not knowing where it's going to go. So um, that is what speeds me up. And mm-hmm. when I first got the deal for this book, I told them I would do it in six months. And then I realized, wow, fiction's a little bit different. Wow. Okay. So you, you got the deal first. And then did you have to go about it writing a treatment? Or could you just pitch it since you'd already written so many books? Um, I wrote a proposal and, right. okay. you know, they never, publishers won't really, it's very rare to even sell a novel on proposal. And I think that's what my experience got me. Mm-hmm. Is the, I sold it on a hundred pages, which isn't nothing. You know, I wrote a full outline and a hundred pages of the book. So mm-hmm. it was a significant proposal and the book changed dramatically from that proposal. I would say it got better. And I bet if I'd actually written the book first, you know, maybe people have been more excited about it. But that's the way I went about it because I wasn't really willing to sit down and write a whole book without without knowing whether it would go anywhere because I had the option to go straight competing with that. Wow. You know, and, and so mm-hmm. it, it, to decide I'm going to do something creative and risk not selling it versus I'm going to take this job tomorrow – was a big decision for me. And it was really, I was lucky to get an advance and I was really, um, it really enabled me to move forward. And so did you write while the kids were at school primarily or would you write even once they were done with school? I don't write well at night. So I write Uh when they're at school, which is, you know, kind of makes it seem like maybe, I I still have a part-time nanny and it kind of makes me seem like I shouldn't because by the, when they get home, I get so distracted by them, I can't really do anything. But what I use oh, okay. that time for is sort of being around for them, which I think is important, and doing the household stuff that doesn't require any creativity. Yeah. Just making the play dates and answering all the emails. And I really, you know, the stuff that I can be distracted and interrupted, uh, I do that, you know. Yeah at the end of the day. Yeah, because, I mean, I find if you spend all day working, then I think you do need some help if you can afford it because otherwise who cooks dinner and who's gone to the grocery store and cleaned, you know, I, I think you can get really behind on all of that. Exactly. And I think we, we're definitely, my kids are seven and nine and we're, that we're starting, I'm starting to think I should be able to do this all alone. Mm-hmm. I could do it all alone. The only question is if I get a client who suddenly wants to have meetings yep. at 4 p.m., I'm in trouble. So it's that fear that keeps me 
you know, walking this line. Yeah. And I think, I mean, do, do you all have family in town? I can't remember. We have no family. Yeah. So, but it's, but again, you know, we're starting to have enough friends where we can trade yeah. play dates after school. I just want to make sure that something doesn't come up and I don't want to make, I'd rather, for me, the, the, it's the price I pay for them having a completely stable experience. Yeah. Oh, I know. Now, I won't say what part, but Hillary recently moved from urban L.A., more centrally located in the city, to the the suburbs, I guess you would say. I don't want to say The valley, what. yes. Okay, the <laughs> valley. There we go. We can say the valley. Um, so <laughs> how has that been? I'm so curious. Uh, I think the, the reason we live in L.A. is because it works for my job and for my husband's job. And the reason we live in the valley is because it's convenient to the school. We wanted our kids to attend. Mm-hmm. So... It's none of these are choices that I would have made in a vacuum. They're all sort of determined by the bigger life choices that we made. Yeah. Um, I our new house, our new house in the valley just makes our lives more convenient. We spend less time in the car. Our mm-hmm. kids get home a full hour earlier, oh, and yeah. gives them more free time. And that was really the goal. They were spending yeah. two hours a day on the bus. Oh and God. Yeah. I thought if we, you know, if we spent two hours a day playing piano, they'd be famous. <laughs> totally. So oh, it was yeah. a lot of their time. Yeah, because that's that's what we we're sort of at right now. Um, we are, but anyway, we're the kids are in the car about two hours a day. Well, not two hours, but we adults are in the car for right. Uh, oh yeah, two hours minimum. We at least I can uh, split it up with my husband. But on days I have to do it twice. Oh, forget about it. Yeah, that's intense. Yeah. So we'll figure that out, though. Um, yeah. And what else do I want to talk about? Oh, and I love that. So on the back of Hillary's book jacket, the her beautiful photograph was taken by another friend who I don't know if you met Denise during um, preschool. I mean, that's certainly where I became friends with her. But is that where you met Denise? When all of our- I did. So okay. the person who did my author photo was a mom as Lindsay said at our preschool. And... Um, her daughter still goes to school with my daughter, and I asked oh, her to take a photo. Right. And she, while we, you, know, you were talking about how a lot of moms find new creative outlets when they're new mothers, she mm-hmm. learned to be. She taught herself to be a photographer and went to took classes for it. Um, while our started doing that while our kids were in preschool, and has become a, a wonderful photographer. She she had a second baby recently, mm-hmm. and so she hasn't. Um, tried to make it into any kind of business, but I um, cajoled her into doing my author photo, and it's gotten so much feedback. That I went into a bookstore, and they said, how do we reach this photographer? We have an author who wants really? to use to oh her. God. Yeah, so awesome. I don't know. She And she has said to me, I don't really like photographing whole families, but I like doing single portraits. So, okay. Um, I said to her, you've really got to put up a website because you've no idea how many people might be interested now. Wow, that's a, that's cool. Oh, that's good to hear. I didn't realize that the girl, everybody was still at the same school. That's fun. And Just so, those two, yeah. And okay, and now did you have a big book tour with this? I didn't. A lot of authors go on tour, and um, I think that they have to either be more famous than I am or... Their books have to be, um, I don't know, sort of a different kind of book. This is 
this book got a ton of press, and mm-hmm. which I'm really grateful for, and that that was what drove sales. I did a couple events in New York, a couple events here in LA, yep. and I'm doing um, a couple events next week in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I feel like there are very few other bookstores where I am confident that I could draw a crowd okay. just because those are the centers where I know people and I knew people would come. And at all of those readings, every single person in the store, and there were plenty of them, were friends of mine. Right. So I'm not, um, I don't know how, which authors um, bookstores feel like they can draw a crowd for, but I don't know if I'm one of them yet, maybe someday. Gotcha. Well, it's almost, I mean, I feel like the book tours are so grueling that I think it's almost a nice in a way not to have to do that at this point when your kids are little. I don't know. I I talked to a mom who had to go on one and she was just dying about a year I or two ago. I think it's brutal, but I also think as an author, you're so um, eager to do anything that might help sell the book okay. that, um, you know, it makes you feel like you've worn yourself out. But mm-hmm. for me, just going to New York and doing what I did there and doing radio interviews and doing um, magazine interviews, that, that was quite enough. I was mm-hmm. pretty, I was pretty worn out just by that. I bet. So, it's yeah, a- I, I'm just happy with the attention it got. Oh, I bet. And do you feel, are you able to, like, enjoy what you've done? And does it, are you proud and, you know, like, content, I guess? That's the word I'm looking for. I don't know if it's in my nature to be content. Yep. It's something that I work toward. And, I, I mean, I think they're just people who are like this. I'm one of them. I yep. have to tell myself to be happy and to celebrate it. I think there were a couple moments when big um, press hits happened that I felt true excitement and joy. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I really have to um, remind myself to do that. Yeah, I do too. Um <laughs> What's wrong with us? I don't know. It's, I, when a show's over, I'm backstage and like, I'm backstage and I just want to clean up the theater. I can't even, I don't even want to go out and talk to anybody because I'm like, no, I'm thinking about what I could have done better and what could be going on next show. Anyway, I don't know what's wrong with us. And so are you going to write another novel? Do you already have another idea? I do. I have another idea. Um, and I'm starting to think about it. That's, it's sort of the doctor's orders, but coming from the publisher, the publisher mm-hmm. that um, as your um, book, there's sort of a peak of publicity, and as it starts to taper, you need to focus on your next book, and they've asked me to do that, and I am. Um, and I'm kind of, it's, it's really exciting because um, I really haven't thought of myself as a novelist, and I'm 46 years old, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking... Is this part of is this part of my identity now that I mm. I write novels? I yeah. didn't know this was coming. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you know, writing one seemed like it, you know, didn't really. It was it was one idea that I really wanted to try out. But um, now that it's been successful and they want me to do more, I'm thinking, oh, is this actually something that I do? <laughs> Isn't that cool? I think that's great, and I think I think that's such a great thing about like I don't know the times we live in or whatever or being a woman just how our identity or whatever whatever we you know call as our identity it changes what we're doing with our work and our creativity 
Yeah, I mean, what I I wish that my identity weren't tied to my work. I know yeah. I think that's the way it is in France, right? Right. That now you're right. You, that you just are who you are. Yes. But um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not that way, and I don't know anyone who is. I I think, uh, or maybe I do, and I don't realize it. But mm-hmm. I think I'm my identity is wrapped up in my work. I just had to accept that and yeah. then let my work change, you know, as yeah. it needed to. But maybe it's part of being a creative person that our identity is so wrapped up in it because it's so vital, I think, for our, I don't know, for me it is. Maybe that partially is. Well, that's that's an interesting way of looking at it. But, yeah, if you're um, doing a job that really doesn't use that part of your brain, uh-huh. it doesn't feel like it's you so much. And both what we both do has so much of ourselves, in it. you know, this. Um, it seems crazy that I would be putting myself into this you know, celebrity in my book when her life is nothing like mine. But there's, I think that's why you're, how I was able to make her relatable to people like us. Mm-hmm. And that's because she has a lot of our experience in her. And I think that that's something that I was trying to say about celebrity, that these are normal people yep. to whom fame happens. And... Um, that's why the, you know, as a Hollywood book, it's not even, it's not satirical. It's not really making fun of the excess, although we all know it exists. It's really saying they're, they're normal people floating around in this mess and yeah. you know, they're just trying to find their way the same way we are. Totally. And I loved how you made her so relatable as to how she could fall for this guy. I, right. She I, falls for this yeah. uber celebrity and he just sweeps her off her feet and, um, she, I wanted, we know that happens, we see these fast marriages, mm-hmm. and I wanted us to understand why it happens, and then he's involved with this weird cult, and, and I wanted us to buy that she would marry him, that it would be interesting to her instead of creepy, and yes. then and then I think everything changes when she has kids, which we yes. al- also all know that, you know, what was mm-hmm. fine yep. in a romance suddenly has a totally different tenor when kids are involved. Uh, yeah, and that's why it was so relatable, even though they were had like a million houses. And I could see why she <laughs> fell for him. I was like, yeah, okay, I might date Rob Mars too, sure. Um, right, right. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the idea I went into it with was, if Rob Mars asks this, that's the uber celebrity, if he asks you to marry him, you say yes, yeah. And then you worry about the details later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, he kind of had every, everything down right. And I loved, I know, I, I really enjoyed it. And I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass, but like <laughs> Greg kept poking his head in the room. He's like, what are you doing in here? Because like, I, think, I think it took me two nights just because, you know, I couldn't get the kids to bed early enough. But like, I'm reading Hillary's book. Leave me alone. So he did. Um, anyway, but thank you, Hillary. I think we're about out of time, but I really appreciate you coming on. And I, I just think it's so interesting to talk to, you know, moms and see what they're up to. And I'm so happy for you that you wrote your first novel. It's amazing. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here and to talk about it from the mom perspective. Yeah, no. All right. Well, take care, Hillary. Maybe I'll be seeing you in the valley soon. No, I'm kidding. Actually, I'm not kidding. It might happen. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Thanks, Hillary, for being on the podcast. 
Uh, thank you for listening um, to the podcast. Again, if you have time, I'd love for more reviews on iTunes. It just helps the podcast to get more exposure. Thanks to my producer, Paulina Wysaka, to my husband for watching the kids, and to Tech Haven, Gary Gray's company that helps me out with tech- technical questions. To August of Girl Boner for her help, and to Tally from First Day Back. And to the wonderful support group, She Podcast. If you're a female podcaster, I highly recommend that you join their group. They've been an invaluable source of information. So that's it. I am about to get out of my closet and go take care of my kids and head probably to the zoo. Um, that's, that's it. How many times can I say that's it? Thanks for joining me. Bye.